Hello and welcome to Fulhamish Podcast. It's our second episode. I'm Sammy James. With me in the studio this evening, I've got Farrell Monk, Ben Jarman and Alex Irons. Cheers for joining me, gentlemen. You're welcome. Good evening. An array of facial hair. I mean, um, (laughs) over here we've got kind of Ben and Farrell with the smart casual, me with the kind of whiskers on my chin and then Alex Irons. (laughs) You've got to be the hairiest Fulham fan around. Have you ever been to the cottage and seen anyone hairier? No, I haven't actually. I think we should do a competition on who who's the hairiest Fulham fan. I think I'd come in and very high up there. Can we keep our clothes on though this time? Yeah. <laughs> I meant face only, not anywhere else. <laughs> I've seen that chest apparel no one else wants to see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, let's take a picture of you and put you on the Twitter. And we'll, we'll just find there in the hope that we meet a hairier Fulham fan. And, and maybe one day soon we can have like a hair off or something. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, chaps, uh, it's been an interesting week for Fulham. Maybe not the most exciting on the pitch. Two points from six against newly promoted sides. Farrell, let's start with you. Why do you think it's not clicked for Fulham since the international break? It's not got on all to plan when we were just so excited after the start of the season. I'd, I'd love to have answers today, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of bizarre. Like, you know, from people have now sort of like uh, looked back at games like Blackburn and gone, well, actually, were we actually really lucky to get those points? After all, did we play well? Did we not play well? Um, and then we look at the games against Burton and Wigan and you can't necessarily say that we you know, deserved to win both those games, really. Obviously, Burton came with a game plan which was to be as boring and <laughs> as possible. Well done, well done to Burton. Mm. Um, and, you know, they did come with a game plan and it worked for them. For us, we didn't seem to turn up with a game plan from, you know, from the, the guy sitting on the sidelines that it wasn't that obvious. We came with a with the standard sort of starting eleven, like there was no real surprises there, but... I, I'd speak for the rest of the panel mm. here. Um, yeah, and, you know, they were just a hard, team hard to break down. And then the, the sort of, we had a, we went to plan B, which was throw Matt Smith on. And that worked horribly, absolutely horribly. Like, we just did not know how to play long ball football at all whatsoever. There was aimless balls thumped up from the back um, to Matt Smith. And there was no one around him, no one around him for like 20 yards. Um it was it was painful to watch, certainly from from my perspective. I don't know. I think the international break sort of offers another a, a turning point in the season for a lot of teams because they have the opening two, three, four games, and they either get into a rut where they don't play very well, like Wigan did, and they come back after the international break, and maybe not a lot of their players have been out on international duty, and they've had a time to work on the training field, and they've, you know, Wigan did look much fitter than they did before that international break, whereas Fulham have sort of come back and. We haven't really increased any level. Um, I think Wigan definitely looked to get us on the counter and it's the same with Burton. They were very, very good on the organisational side of things. They looked like they were very fit, whereas Fulham looked, after sort of 60 minutes, looked quite lethargic, especially going forward. It's quite interesting you point out about the the fitness element that one thing that did spring to mind was our attacking players, uh, Luco and Cabano who came on, after after an hour, like you said, they did look very tired, and we were very e- we became easy to play against on the counter attack. Yeah. yeah, I think one thing you notice about us, like you say, as soon as sixty minutes hits the clock, you got the likes of Parker sitting in there in defensive mid, where even after twenty five minutes he looks quite immobile. It's quite <laughs> it's quite easy to pass through our central midfield, and that's where we start to start to ship goals. I mean, Burton scored was it nine minutes after half time? Um, I think that sort of 
there's a correlation there between our fitness levels and the other team's fitness levels, especially after this international break where it's showing more than it did before. It's interesting that the fitness is a problem because I did think, and I thought this under McGath as well, and that we all know how that ended up, <laughs> that, that fitness wouldn't be a problem this season because we had so much, uh, especially the, the official site, kept ramming it down our throats that mm. how uh, organised like Slavicia had got us. Scoring problem, scoring goals seems to be the problem. Do you think it's the kind of sides that we're coming up against? Do you think we're struggling against the kind of teams in the league that are parking the bus? Because even Blackburn, I know we got the three points in the end, but we struggled against them. It's these teams that are at the lower echelons of the championship. Do you reckon, weirdly, perversely, when we come up against the stronger sides that will attack us a bit more, that we may actually tend to play better because we are also set up to play on the counter-attack. Possibly, because you look at how we played against Newcastle and we were probably the dominant side. Mm. So we're going to look at teams that are kind of higher up on the table, like the Brighton, Newcastle again, and kind of they play more of the attacking style that we've been playing under Slavisa. When you're playing up against the sides of like Wigan and Blackburn, again, they are going to part the bus. They're not going to look to attack because they know they'll be opened up easier. Mm. So maybe if we could find a way to kind of break down those teams, maybe play a bit more defensive on ourselves and try and worm our way around the defence instead of running straight at it. This sounds all very familiar from the last two seasons, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Just a little you bit. But yeah. then again, yeah. what's the one thing is, what is different from last season, we've already kept more, kept more clean sheets than we did in the entirety of last season. Sigurdsson <laughs> came in, um, has come in for the last couple of matches and looked really assured. Yeah. So at least there's some real positives in the defence and had you given this me to me last season where I saw us constant, consistently shipping two, three goals against average sides you know what maybe some boring nil-nil draws where we're struggling to break down the opposition <laughs> is a welcome treat yeah, weirdly I, I prefer yeah. that to then losing three, four nil for no reason like we were season last and the season before I mean if I know we haven't got him anymore, but thanks to Ross McCormack, if he wasn't there scoring those goals for us, we'd probably be playing in League Two by now. Do you think it would be? be- <laughs> Do you think it would have been better if if Ross McCormack was still there? Yes, now definitely. Do you really? Because I actually think no. Yeah, um, I'm fully think, in that camp. I think we really? we saw that money. We invested it well. We've got a better, more rounded squad now than we ever did. I actually think one of our problems scoring goals actually is left field as this could sound. It comes from the defence. Because okay. as soon as Maddow has come out of there, we've lost that centre-half that can play the ball out into the channel, into a Cabano, into a Aite, Josever, anyone like that. We, we've lost that kind of ball-playing centre-defender, whereas Sigurdsson sort of offers the, the brawn and, and that sort of thing. And him and Callas are quite similar in the fact that they're, they're not that ball-playing, clever centre-back that Maddow is. Although the best wing play I saw on <laughs> uh, on uh, Tuesday was Callas's uh, run down the wing at 75 minutes. I don't know if you guys remember that. Took it around a couple of players, played a great ball into the box, and unfortunately it was uh, Played right back for Borough last season. Mm-hmm. Well, Callas uh, said interestingly in the media this week, he thinks that Fulham's side is as strong mm. as the Borough side that went up. Now, I don't know if that's just PR, like say some good stuff about the club we need, but <laughs> that's an interesting thing to know because, well, Borough are not doing too badly in the Premier League last mm. season. Do you agree with that or do you take it with a pinch of salt? Pinch of salt? One or two yeah. players short, I think, you know, but we're looking much better than we did last year and the year before it's. Yeah, let's not talk <laughs> about it. Fair comparison. <laughs> uh, do you think like those Slavisha was a bit negative? And uh, I think the one that a lot of fans um, were up in arms about on Saturday against Wigan, bringing on Tunnicliffe at the end of the game instead of Piazza, and we're chasing the game. It's nil-nil away from home. 
in bringing on Tunnicliffe at the end of the game does seem like he was content for the 0-0 draw. Would you have done that in that situation or would you have gone for the... I mean, obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight, but would if you, I'd, have, I'd have loved to have seen Piazon get more of a chance and also he'd be the first Brazilian to play for Fulham, which I'm just still waiting <laughs> to happen. But. If it's up to me, um, if you're looking to win, you want an attacking signing, attacking-looking player and he's just there. He doesn't particularly offer anything whether he's on or off the bench or on the field. I think if you look at Borough, though, I think arguably Tunnicliffe was our best player there. He's he's quite a strong and and quite an incisive runner. If we look in, if we look in to have you know maybe McDonald or Parker or someone similar sitting, then you can have Tunnicliffe or or someone like Hosebed maybe roaming a bit more. And I think that's probably why he bought Tunnicliffe on for last ten minutes, let him run at people and. I've got on my notes here that in the 86th minute he made a pretty good chance for Matt Smith. That well, was yeah, that was that was lovely play actually. Yeah. That that yeah, interlinking, exactly. that was um, perfect play, and, and that's what he offers us, in my opinion. In the, in the first three months of last season, he was probably our best player, wasn't he? Oh, I totally I agree. agree that. Yeah, I don't um, know what despite quite happened. Jamie O'Hara getting all the bloody man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jamie O'Hara and all his family were voting, weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah the extended family anywhere in the world. Just please vote for me, man of the match. <laughs> How many wives has he got? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> probably enough to uh, skew a vote on the uh, official website anyway. So we're looking ahead now to Bristol City. Two matches uh, against Bristol City in two weeks. Uh, I assume it's going to be a very different lineup for both of them, would you think? He seems to have gone for the youth in the cup. They've definitely made a lot. Well, both. <laughs> I look I look back uh, at not just Fulham's lineup the, from the first two, two rounds, and they were massively different. Um, uh, considering we played a Premier League team, you would think that we'd play a bit more of our bigger players. Uh, but no, we certainly made loads of changes. I think it was nine changes from the previous league fixture, mm. and it was exactly the same as Bristol City as well. So... The, the difference might be that both teams sniff a chance at get progressing to the next round. Um, but I don't think uh, we would sort of shed a tear if we got knocked out really at this stage, would we? Kind of like a shootout, isn't it? Which manager's going to blink first, you know? <laughs> but I think, I think a lot of our, of, of, of our, you know, senior players may get rested here. We may see, I think Cessna may get rested just because you don't want to burn out a 16-year-old that quickly. Um, but it'd be nice to see, you know, sort of Kenny having a go in the middle, which is something we haven't really seen this so far this season. Yeah, that's an interesting point about Kenny in the middle. He's mostly been outright. Uh, Hossebed had a go at number 10 um, on Saturday. Who would you rather see in that kind of all-important number 10 central role? Would it be Kenny for you? Or is it Luco or is it Hossebed? What do you think? I, I think for me, you have to put Kenny in there. He's a natural number 10. He's, he's probably the most creative player we've got in within our ranks and I think it's quite rightly reflected with his captaincy. But then you would shift a Luko out to the wing. Surely with his pace, it would make sense to put him out there. Um, I think when Aite returns, we we should look to possibly shift Kenny in, in one and put Aite there or maybe some, play someone else in a wider position. may help with the goals as well. Absolutely, absolutely agree with Kenny being the middle. You, you know, it, it's it's a case of um, when we had when Zoltan Gira first uh, first came and he was playing out on the wing, and he was pretty ineffective. And then in the centre, it, it's like Messi. You know, yeah. it's, it's it, I think that's basically Kenny out on the wide. He's he's not definitely not as effective in the middle. He gets involved so much more. Yeah, and I think that's one thing we we need to to use when we have those teams that you know park the bus and that sort of thing is if we don't really need to worry about having two holders there in the form of Parker and McDonald you know let let one of the holders and a centre back do the work and then you know put Kenny and 
at a deeper role and let him try and unlock the defence or maybe push him central and put on Hosebed, who's capable of playing all the way across the midfield. Maybe try something like that. I noticed at the Burton game that um, when they were massively sitting back with like 25 minutes to go, that Parker was almost playing as a number 10. Mm. Um, and I can't remember who was actually the defensive midfielder, but I might have put them... <laughs> I think it should have been the other the way other around. Way around so. yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing, though, that you mentioned Ryan Sessegnon, 16 years old. Uh, he's now got two goals, which is as many as Derby County, uh, <laughs> which, 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 which I love. Um, I saw a tweet on that this week. It was very funny, the guy... Um, found that uh, first player born after 2000 to score a professional goal I don't know about you guys but that is making me feel insanely old that someone born after the millennium <laughs> is now our saviour and saving us points but how long do you think we can keep this kid I mean he's already the transfer rumours are sniffing around do you think it's just like websites getting a bit opportunistic seeing a young player and linking him or do you think there is genuine interest from bigger clubs probably a bit of both as there is every season to be fair, I'm surprised we've kept on, we've kept hold of him for this long already, knowing what some yeah. Premier League clubs are like um, and what transfer rumours are like. Um, but maybe next summer or the season after, clubs might start sniffing around. If he has a very good season, he might be gone by January. Like I reckon that if he's gonna, he's going to do pretty well. And you mean like a Chris Smalling situation? Yeah, mm. like the Man United will snap him up, and or another club will snap him up, and he'll stay until the end of that year, and then leave in the summer. Hopefully that doesn't happen and uh, we can keep him for a few more years. It is hard, though, for a club of our stature. And now we are now, you know, very much a championship club. We're no longer a recently relegated Premier League club. I'd fully say we're now a championship club. It's hard for a club of our size to turn down, you know, seven figures for someone that is 16 years old and certainly is not like, I mean, he's certainly doing his best to become a first choice left back, but he isn't the first choice left back so it's interesting to see what will happen in the future with him but I guess we just got to enjoy him for the here and now while he is a Fulham player Mm -hmm. absolutely and you hope the board have taken the lesson of you know Patrick Roberts and and those kind of guys to hold on to our younger players where possible I think the most complicated thing here is would I be right in assuming he's still on a schoolboy contract uh, do we now sign him up to a full professional contract? I actually am not 100% sure on the rules. You mean I... primary school? He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> just learned his times table. Yeah. He's literally just got his GCSEs yeah. and we're like counting on him to save us actual points <laughs> in fully-fledged league fixtures. Well, you don't well, need GCSEs you know it's, it's so good, the fact that we've actually got some youngsters coming through. Like mm. We've actually got a bit of a conveyor belt of... of good young talent coming through for a change. And that conveyor belt came out pretty well against Middlesbrough, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's one of my favourite games of the season. I mean, Newcastle was great, but Middlesbrough was just insane to see us, you know, really challenging neck for neck against a pretty much full-strength Premier League side. Uh, They looked like they'd been there for years. Absolute joy, you know, to watch even Adun, who's gone, well, completely under the radar, and and Adrenian. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. If I've pronounced her name correctly, who has also gone under the radar, who had, both incredibly encouraging performances mm. and we now seem to have you know, forgotten about them and it's certainly on taking the credit. And a few people, I've seen this on forums and I don't know if this is just an instant reaction to us not scoring many goals, they're just saying, let's give someone like Stephen Humphreys a, a go who, uh, who was impressed um, in the youth teams. Do you think that's a bit knee-jerk though, just to go, we haven't scored in a couple of games, let's bring in the kids? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you have a bridge too far, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, One thing that I thought was uh, interesting against Wigan was obviously the return of Dan Byrne. It was on a lot of fans' lips uh, before (laughs) Mm. the start of the game. A real kind of 
hate love player, I'm a Marmite player, uh, splits opinion uh, amongst Fulham fans. I think a lot of people worried about him scoring a winner. It was almost fate a little bit for him to keep a clean sheet uh, <laughs> against us. Do you agree? Just a little bit. It was yeah. slightly annoying. I, to be fair, I was a fan of Dan Burman when we had him. I thought he was probably one of our best defenders last season. It's a shame that he isn't with us anymore. Um, I think he was a pretty much a brick wall back there and although we're not probably missing him as much now with uh, Callas and Maddle at the back I mean it would have been nice to kind of have him still there because he's still he was a peripheral part of the club a couple of years ago and yeah it's just a shame that he's not there anymore it just feels like he was liked by so many fans just purely because he was the first ever you know, big thing we had to come out of our academy. Or yeah, he was labeled huge. Was about six foot six. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's why he was loved so many because he was seen as you know one of our own, and we, we turfed him out. So that's probably why. <laughs> I just never forget that game against United, where just cross after cross after cross after cross. I think it. I don't know if I'm bang on with this, but I feel like it was a Premier League record for crosses into the crosses. box. 82 crosses. 82 draw. Yeah, 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 and he headed just every single one of them. They just, I mean, to be fair to them, they were terrible crosses. I think it might be Ashley Young just <laughs> Ashley belting Young. them straight <laughs> into him. But uh, Farrell, me and you have discussed this. You think he's, you know, he does get an unfair reaction from certain quarters of our support, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean... You know, it's so easy to point fingers around at the team and just go, oh, it's definitely his fault, it's definitely his fault, you know, and whatnot. He wasn't he wasn't that bad at the end of the day and he gave all he gave it all for the club while he was there. You you know, we can all agree on that, certainly. You know, you can have an opinion whether he's brilliant or, or not, or rubbish or not. But the fact he divides opinion basically screams out that maybe he was just average. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and people are gonna have their different opinions about him, but you know, I it's one of my big bugbears of actually really targeting a player and really giving them lots and lots of criticism when, you know, he is giving the all for the club and um and it's just gonna drive players like that away. Do you think yeah. that affects like our reputation amongst player circles? Do you think Dan Burns saying to other people that might be interested in a move to Fulham, let's say there was a Wigan youngster that was rising up the ranks and they go, Dan Byrne, what do you think about um Fulham and, and then he'll say oh well I got a bit of a unfair reaction of the fans and I, I don't think I you know I find it a tough place or do you think that's not really something that he probably tell them that they they uh, Fulham have got a great podcast oh well yeah <laughs> <laughs> I also find that probably it's the same with every club where a certain section of the fans will just get on the players backs just because because they can yeah um, so it's going to happen to everyone and you do have always have your fair share of, yeah, of course. Uh, people that are negative and positive and, and vice versa yeah. so you have to wonder whether we think it's a bit more full on than it actually is for a player just because we see it on social media all the time you know we're, we're pretty much dialed into Twitter and Facebook all the time but a player probably isn't and if he if, if, if he's wise, he isn't. Yeah, if he's wise, he isn't. And if he's going to read his mentions, then you're going to get all manner of stuff, aren't you, really, in there? So I think he probably would just be like, Fulham's a, a nice enough club. Like Gentleman Jim said, he's a nice enough bloke. <laughs> I, I think, like, yeah, I think, as you say, you're going to have your fair share of uh, criticism and praise. I still think it's great we have a manager that seems to be the most savvy social media manager uh, <laughs> ever. And At this I, point, I, I'm just happy we have a manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so elsewhere in the championship, no one's running away with it, are they? Because I, th I think we all thought we discussed last week that Newcastle were going to just fly off with it. They had four wins on the bounce and then Wolves come along. I 
I see Wolves as this team that just love breaking up a win, win, winning streak. I remember <laughs> last season we beat QPR 4-0 and Wolves came along at home in bad form and they smacked yeah. us 3-0. And Barnsley uh, also lost to Reading. They were looking uh, a little bit tasty. So no one's running away with it just yet. And maybe this dipper form of ours uh, hasn't come at the worst time. We're certainly not out of mm. any promotion picture, but also we're certainly not in it, really. It's, it's too early to tell, isn't it? Yeah, we're just kind of there at the moment and... I'm still surprised to see Huddersfield still up there. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season that Huddersfield will be near, will be anywhere near the beginning of the table? Maybe a few uh, hopeful Huddersfield fans, but no one else in particular. No. Um, I think we should be okay this season. I mean, with, again, with no one running away with it, it's going to be interesting. I think it's the closest, well, it's going to be the closest championship there's probably ever been. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see yeah. what does happen. I mean, again, with Newcastle, we're going to be. They're going to be strong, but they're not going to be the best. I think they'll well, be they've certainly proved they're not infallible, like you know pundits were assuming at the beginning of the season they would just walk away. But they're clearly capable mm. of the odd strange loss. They've already lost three games. That's that's two more than we've lost. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's three more than we were expecting of them, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of people seem to be under the impression that Newcastle could perhaps win the league even without Rafa Benitez, um, just purely because of the squad they got. And I think that is quite quite an outlandish statement to make but the quality is there in their squad and well, I think, ultimately they may probably to yeah they probably it. will but it's, I don't think it's going to be the walkover oh, no, no. that it's everyone that expects league, I it? think they'd no. be lucky to, to win it I think if they do go up it might be through the playoffs I don't think there's going to be a team again that they, you know gets over 100 points no. mm. like they did in the anymore because it's just such a tight competitive difficult league yeah, and the spread of money now as well means that every single club at the top end of this championship yeah. league is is getting better all the time, and the and the gap between top and bottom is is forever getting smaller. That's why even against clubs like Wigan and Burton, we're potentially struggling because their squads are getting deeper and better. Mm. I could never sort of at the beginning of the the championship season when someone goes, oh, who's who's the you know the the team that's really going to do it this season? And it's for me, it's so difficult to actually go. Uh, I, who are we playing this week? Oh, so-and-so. Are they any good? I'm not sure. But, <laughs> yeah. I think only until the very end are you sure what you're going to be getting, and that's mm. probably after, like, game 30. Yeah. You, you might know exactly, like, what kind of team is coming for you. So it's, I guess that's what makes the championship quite interesting, whereas in the Premier League, pretty much every team... Uh, I know there's a few exceptions who thought West Ham would be quite so bad mm. but at this stage of the season, for example. So good. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Etienne Capoue, oh my oh. God. <laughs> Anyone who decided to put him in from the in fantasy league from week one, i.e. my little brother, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we got a point against Wigan and you mentioned it was a bit of a disappointing result and I think no Fulham fan would say it was a great result against Wigan. But it does mean that Fulham are now unbeaten in 16 games against Wigan, which I didn't ever think we had that good a record <laughs> against them. Because I remember losing a couple of times when they first came up, but 16 games is pretty impressive. And uh, somebody said on Twitter, Twitter, it's the longest streak in our history against a certain side. I mean, that needs a fact check. I'm certainly not uh, claiming that. But I thought um, it would be nice to just have a think about the kind of sides in, in recent history that have either been bogey teams and we've done absolutely terribly against or uh, vice versa, the teams that we've um, had an amazing record against. And I always just instantly, when I think of Fulham having a good record against a side, was Norwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
who just seem to turn up to the cottage and just self-destruct, whether they're in good form, <laughs> bad form, uh, none more so than that uh, 6-0 a couple of seasons ago, where there was absolutely nothing in it for Fulham. Norwich had gone through one of the greatest escapes, um, gone from 20th, they were in all... It was all set up. I remember Fulham fans just going, no, nah, I'm not going to bother with this one. And, yeah. um, Wasn't that 2004? I think it was a it tiny bit later, but turn them over. Because Andy Cole was playing, I'm pretty sure. He yeah, oh, it might have been, actually. And even Zan Knight scored. Yeah. <laughs> That's saying something. And but, when we beat them 5-0 on the opening day of the season. Yeah. But it was about three years ago, maybe? Yeah. Three, four years ago now? And, uh, and um, Even Petric scored. Even Petric <laughs> scored in his debut, I think, a couple of goals, and he we did. were expecting. So. Any other sides that kind of instantly crop up in your minds, either just a, a very good record, a very good or a bad record against? I've got one, and I think you guys are probably thinking it as well, and that's QPR. <laughs> we yeah. always beat QPR, no matter how badly we're doing in the form-wise or how great they're doing. They always, we're, they always seem to come up and we just wipe the floor with them my yeah. mates who are QPR fans hate it and they hate me for it I'm not going to love it no of course they're not but it's just like whenever they, they come against Fulham and they're just like oh do we do we have to do this we're just going to whatever happens we're going to get completely destroyed it's like I don't understand what is going on. Well, we play them in a couple of weeks, don't we? So I'm very worried about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm quite worried. Yeah. Famous last words. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say anything now until after that game. Like, I'm just going to, whatever messages I get, he's not getting a reply at all. <laughs> I don't think you'll find a person who's still alive that's ever seen Fulham get a point at Goodison Park. No, no, <laughs> maybe a nil-nil. But we got one. Um, we got a draw up there in the FA Cup. I seem to remember a <laughs> yeah. long time back. But no, going up there was just it was Gallows. You you were only yeah. going up there for Gallows humour, weren't you? We're going to lose today. There was just I've been there once. And... Well, as long as Conga in the OAM. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all knew that we we're going up there. We we're going to lose, but let's just have fun while we're there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, when I had a message from George on Twitter. I, I asked this question, um, and he said. I think I've always thought West Ham as a bogey side, but not just that. Carlton Cole always scored against us mm. and actually brought that back. <laughs> I mean, one of the most pony players to ever live out a, pre- a living from the Premier League. It's definitely Fulhamish that stuff like that yeah, happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember a couple of seasons ago when under Yole and Joe Cole made his uh, return and he was so fat and yet he still scored. <laughs> yeah. well, I remember it? Carlton Cole brewing in a Christmas a few years ago when they at West Ham beat us under when we had Mark Hughes' manager beat oh, us yeah. on Boxing oh, yeah. Day quite convincingly as well and he looked literally unstoppable that day. But... <laughs> I think he might have been downing. He hadn't scored in about I don't know, 18 months or something when he's playing for Liverpool and he just scores when they beat us, I think it was 4-1 a couple of years ago. Oh, just Jamie like, Carragher scored uh, scored a good goal against us. Not not just a tap-in, an actual sort of yeah. like thunderbolt. <laughs> if there's ever a streak you need ending and, and, and you see Fulham on the fixture list, yeah, you think... That's it. That's, I might get my Sunday league team to play, <laughs> play against yeah. them. <laughs> when we played Blackburn last season, Danny Graham hadn't scored in 33 oh. games and then scored t- against us, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Was it two or is it just one, I think? I think it was just one, but then he went on a little bit of a run after that. We, we kick-started something for Danny Graham, rejuvenated his career. It's just like... We don't have bogey teams, we have bogey players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Carlton Cole's in the third division in America now. Look what we've done for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think, like, that one against Wigan, like, well, I imagine now we've said that. All these teams that we've mentioned we've got a good record against, um, you can guarantee. If you go down the bookies now and put a triple on Norwich, QPR uh, and Wigan to get victories against us for the rest of the season, it, it's a pretty good <laughs> bet. And then another bit of expe- unexpected news this week was Jimmy Bullard, the manager. I mean, 
a story to come so out of left field is unbelievable. <laughs> He's given up fishing uh, and, larking about, <laughs> and larking about on I'm a Celebrity and taking the plunge into management. I mean, do we ever for one second think this might be a bit of a success? Possibly. I mean, he's at Leatherhead, so he can't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw them earlier this year playing it. It's my local club, and uh, they're not doing too well at the moment. They're second from bottom in the Ithamian Prem at the moment. They did well in the second half, and then they just kind of fell away. in the. They did well in the first half, and then fell away in the second. Thank you and to our were... non-league consultant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did a bit of research on Leatherhead FC. They're the Tanners. Uh, and his first game will be tomorrow night, which is Tuesday night, uh, away to Folkestone Invicta. Can he do it on a Tuesday night at Folkestone Invicta? <laughs> on a cold How much are tickets? Uh, just asking for a friend, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they're not too much. But in all seriousness, like he did have a decent footballing brain. He was a solid centre midfielder mm. back in his day. Do you think all the bravado and the media side of him, he might actually do well, or is, uh, is it just doomed to failure? I don't know. You think his brain power? Like, is he gonna? Is he gonna know the well? Is he gonna know anything well in depth enough to get it over to the players and and that sort of thing? And I just can't believe they actually let him out of the soccer AM arena for, for a couple of days. Yeah, let him out of Jimmy Bullard's back door. <laughs> yeah. But I just think it. I, part of me wonders if it's some sort of like fly on the wall ITV2 show. You know how the, <laughs> you know how the BBC did quite a nice one on. The, the Salford City yeah. mm. Reds, uh, which I've got my own opinions on. But I reckon maybe ITV2 saw that and thought, Jimmy Bullard mm. managing non-league oh, club, God. that's a show. It's not like them to come up with tasteless TV. Yeah, or exactly. Like that. <laughs> there was that, one with Barry Fyne and uh, Peterborough, wasn't yeah. there? Yes. That was a really good, good day, one. And that was very, very yeah, good. Yeah, that was really good. recommend watching for anyone. Well, if you are uh, maybe a uh, talent scout for ITV2 <laughs> and you happen to be a Fulham fan listening to this podcast, get your phone. It's a Leatherhead FC right now because I reckon that is a show. That Salford City Reds programme, me and you were talking about this at the weekend. Did any of you else watch this? No, I've watched it, yeah. I haven't seen it. Was it not a bit too good to be true? The fact that the guy who hadn't played all season with a cruciate knee ligament injury comes off and wallops one into the top <laughs> bin after 94 minutes. It is a bit written in the stars, isn't it? My dad and I were watching this and just going, they're making a big deal about this guy that's been injured. He's 35. It's his last chance in non-league football. He comes off the bench. If he scores here, I'm walking out. <laughs> and then in the final match, they've had all this terrible time and this woman's worried about her bloody wedding. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I thought about forwarding through those moments when she was talking about the wedding. I'm not watching a football programme to hear about someone's wedding planning. She's just going, I just so want to win because I want it to be good on my wedding day. Shut up about your bloody wedding. No one cares. And then they win 3-2 in the final minute. Do you think this is... that Some little producer just went to them, look, guys, can we just have a couple of late goals here? Yeah. It's really going to make the TV show look good. Anything for the outtakes, lads. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Maybe that didn't happen and maybe they just re-recorded it all. Like, like You've got your promotion, Stour Bridge or whoever it was, but we're just going to re-record a couple of goals. You're going up. And, Are um, you officially accusing the BBC of match-fixing? <laughs> I'm not saying it directly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to, to read out a disclaimer very soon. <laughs> If, if the BBC London ever do want to fund this podcast, uh, we're, more, we're more than available and we'll, we'll, we'll pack it all in. So we're, I, I did ask on Twitter earlier about uh, Jimmy Bullard, whether people... I did a little bit of a poll and I said, um, can you rate uh, 
between Magath and Hodgson uh, in terms of Fulham managers, what you think uh, Jimmy Bullard would be. The general opinion was Laurie Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> rapid, rapid decline uh, was the general overview. So are we most likely going to predict not exactly going to make it? Have to wait and see. I mean, you never really know. I'm going to expect some great celebrations from either the bench or the players mm. at Leatherhead now. Um, that's what, it's his first time out. They'll be lucky to survive uh, that season anyway. I don't know they're doing too well at the moment. Um, so if he keeps them up, it'll be a success for Leatherhead. He's obviously got a bit of charisma and, you know, people use their charisma for, for leadership qualities. But will that translate into making lots of jokes and making them laugh <laughs> or actually winning football matches? I can't say, although he will be a failure. I think as we saw in the, that Salford-Reds uh, series that you need a bit of charisma in lower league football, really, don't you, just to get the boys a bit pumped up? So I think Bullard could be a success at that lower level, but I can't see him doing too well at anything higher than that. But, yeah. you know, Harry Redknapp managed to manage in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, he eked <laughs> out a career, so anyone yeah. can. Well, we're uh, nearly coming to the end of our podcast, so it is time again uh, to dedicate the show to a particular player. Now, we started this last week, and we're thinking of changing this up. We were going to do a bit of a Fulhamish dedication, but actually, I think what would be more interesting is if we make, like, a time capsule. So think... Back. Like you might know the stories of Fulham from maybe the 70s or the 80s, any any time before you were born. But how well do you know Fulham from the 1900s? I, I'm gonna guess that your knowledge is sketchy at best. 1900s. You were like kind of like 1900s, 1910s, the early part of the 20th century. My memory doesn't go back that far. No, nor does mine. <laughs> So I thought we could make like a bit of a metaphorical time capsule. No one's actually going to go dig this under the penalty spot of Craven Cottage. <laughs> but just chuck in a load of memories, one each game, of a good Fulham moment or a good Fulham player or a good Fulham match. And we'll put it into this time capsule and then metaphorically at the end of the season we'll bury it and then we can show this to a Fulham fan in 100 years' time uh, where none of us will be around and quite frankly uh, this podcast will just be a speck of dust uh, into the audio <laughs> universe. And Alex's um, beard will be ever longer. Yeah. <laughs> Alex's beard will be tripping him up and everyone around him in the street by that point. <laughs> Farrell, who has selected someone to be in the time capsule this week? So uh, Billy has decided to nominate uh, Fulham legend Tony Callio, who was uh, signed by Roy Hodgson in 2009, I believe. Uh, he came in on a, on a finished swoop with Yari Littmanen. Uh, he uh, made his debut, which I didn't actually know this until actually um, reading up about it, was that he actually made his debut against Arsenal in the, in the home game of the opener of the 2008-2009 season, where we won 1-0. Breda Hangland uh, and then, scored. And Breda Hangland scored, yes. Um, and he only made three more appearances that season. Although Billy says that his standout performance was when he came on as a very late substitute for Aaron Hughes in a midweek game against Blackburn that season. And uh, this, was, this follows on from our... Uh, bogey players but was absolutely mugged off by Jason Roberts for a, <laughs> a very very late winner uh, and there was a, a great picture of uh, Tony Callio on the floor um, he was nicknamed the bone crusher uh, as well uh, from when uh, his uh, Finnish side HJK I think it is it is HJK yeah. don't uh, I 
I, ben, do you actually know what it stands for? I have no idea. I don't speak Finnish. Sorry. <laughs> We've just started this time capsule. This is to show the best of Fulham <laughs> um, to a fan in a century's time. And we're starting this off with Tony Callio. Am I a bad Fulham fan to say I don't remember Tony Callio? And Tony Callio won't stick out for anyone, I don't think. You know, what? if anything, that sort of reaffirms how obscure some of our signings have been. You know? Yeah. Oh, I remember him? Yeah. I can remember him vaguely from my football manager days and just using him just as a bench warmer but apart from that I don't remember him playing or anything else well he certainly stick out because he was about 10 foot tall as well (laughs) same as Dan Byrne (laughs) what debut to make your what what game to make your debut in Arsenal at home I remember that game we were very impressive that day did he start yeah yeah I can't believe it he actually started the game Goodness me. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think alone for being nicknamed the Bone Crusher, uh, as much as I joke, I think he's a very worthy candidate to be the first player in our time capsule. So uh, thank you very much, Billy. Well done, Tony. Well, well, yeah, exactly. I bet that is applauded that Tony was never expecting. Should we get him on the podcast? I don't think he'd fit through the door. (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's not inundated with media work, is he? I'm sure we could probably get him on. He is now retired, so... He's probably looking for work. Tony, (laughs) if you're listening, I can't pay you a penny, but if you want to come on the podcast, you're more than welcome. Well, that is, there it is. The first player in our new time capsule uh, is Tony Callio, the three-hit wonder uh, for Fulham under the Roy Hodgson years. So if you want to get involved in the time capsule, we'll be looking for your suggestions each week. Just give us a tweet at FulhamishPod. Uh, You can also give us an email, FulhamishPod at gmail.com. Gents, uh, it's been really fun chatting to you about the last couple of games. Hopefully next week, Uh, we may have a couple of victories to chat about other than the um, frankly no victories until it's since this podcast has started I don't think anyone's drawing parallels but it's certainly getting a little bit concerning if this windless streak goes any longer so uh, thank you for being involved this evening thanks for coming and if you're listening a little bit of homework for you if you're on iTunes right now would really appreciate just a a nice little five star rating Uh, I don't want to sound like an Uber driver but um, (laughs) if you are listening a nice review uh, saying if you've enjoyed the podcast or quite frankly if you haven't enjoyed the podcast any review uh, would be much welcome but yes certainly the five stars if if you're in two minds as to what to give five stars five stars (laughs) thank you for listening and we'll be back next Monday